Hello and welcome to the Science of Footy podcast. As always, you're back with your host, Liam, and the kiss of death, uh, KOD. How are you over there? Yeah, not too bad. Um, <laughs> continuing <laughs> in my death-bringing ways. Um, we've got some stats for you on this one. So, just been um, for those of you who watched the last pod or listened to the last pod, you'll know that I brought Heaney back into the team and he's put up 75, so back to what he was putting up when I had him originally. Um, so, Heaney... In my team is averaging 75. Heaney out of my team is averaging 122. Um, and then, Absolute useless. Yeah, the- <laughs> you, had him, you had him when he was bad. And then you trade him out and he goes gangbusters. And then you, for everyone else yeah. like me who had him, you traded him back in to kill his scores off again. You should have just kept him out of your team. I could have kept on having the nice scores rolling out of Heaney. But no, no, you bring him back in and straight back to the low scores. So, good news for anyone who has uh, Bailey Smith. Um, yeah, he was the player that I originally traded out alongside Heaney. He was averaging 50 for me, and then he's put up 81 since then. Um, and I brought in uh, Luke Davies Uniac for him, and he was averaging 99 out of my team, and in my team, he put up 60. Um, <laughs> I've traded him out this week. I think I'm probably going to trade him out this week, so look for him to be scoring hundreds again. See, now you'd be in a good guy. You're reviving people's careers. LDU, if you're stuck in his team, maybe he would have never got back to good form, would have been dropped forever, lost out of the North Melbourne yeah. team. But now you're doing the good guy thing and trading him out and his season can get back on track. But you're going to bring some other poor kid in and uh, just ruin their life. Yeah, well, we'll leave that till the end, um, what I'm doing for the trades. But yeah, if you have LDU, maybe hold for now. <laughs> So you've been awfully unlucky. A lot of these aggressive trades for you haven't worked off. But, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. Surely you've got some people in your team who are sort of lifting their heads up high. No, absolutely none. <laughs> <laughs> Just absolutely um, this, week not, luckily, yeah, this week, not too many, to be honest, but <laughs> we'll get there. Luckily, one of us on the pod is doing all right, although I dropped to 2069 last week and dropped about a thousand and a half, you know, spots, so back down to 2,924, so I'm still at the top end, but really, if anything, I'm losing ground on some of these top scorers with, you know, some people in my team, like, I thought everyone would have Whitfield's 45, but it turns out a whole lot of people up there, you know, are riding high and missing out on all this carnage. And yeah, I thought I, I would be pretty okay this week. But uh, yeah, falling spots up there. There's there's a few teams at the top, I reckon, who are, are sitting pretty at the moment. Yeah, there's a lot of teams in the top, um, I've noticed, that don't have Whitfield or Lloyd. So they went very cheap down back to start with. And then seems like it's going to pay off now. Yeah, um, we'll get to Whitfield a bit later and how his price might be in freefall, but um, I made a bit of a blue with my trades last week, came out here on the pod and was advocating Jack Ross, I was saying I was trading in, you know, the Richmond midfielder, could see him scoring well and I thought I'd bring him into my team, but as, you know, lockout drew closer, I uh, took a bit of a closer look at who I wanted to downgrade in the future and I thought, oh, there are not many defenders to trade Clark down to, so I'll grab Lockhart while he's still available and he puts out a 30 or something when uh, Ross goes gangbusters, putting up like a 90-odd score. So <laughs> made a bit of a mistake there and missed out on Ross, who looks like he's going to be a really good option going forward. Yeah, it's a shame. And uh, with our rookies there in the, in the defensive line, we've got actually two coming through this week now. So that was a bit unexpected. you got Answorth and Lockie Young, both options down back now. 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, other players like Rotham from West Coast, who's sort of, you know, bubbling around there, might be in, might be out. So I think I went from a player that I was quite certain on to just getting a bit of the jitters later in the week, looking for positions and who's available when, you know, you've got to probably stick to the players that you think will score well and sort of keep their spots in the near future, I think. So it's not all doom and gloom with the rookies down back, though. A lot of the on-field ones are doing pretty well. Um, Durst, Moan, Hoare in particular in my team are looking pretty good. And then I know that you've got Scrimshaw, Liam. He's tracking pretty nicely. And I don't think either of us have Connor Rosie, but he's also putting up some pretty good scores. Yeah, Rosie's even getting the calls that he should be the rising star over Sam Walsh, which is a bit silly if you ask me, but he's putting up some great scores. All fieldable options here, I think, is the is the big note here that you could even be running probably three rookies down back if you wanted to. And if you know, you're know you someone who has Darcy Moore in their team, you know, you've got a whole lot of options here on the cheaper end who are, are really scoring well down back. Um, even Collins, who we've both at least had in our teams. I know I sent him packing last week, but you know he's putting up some okay scores up there, but probably is one of the few which is probably getting at the point where we can start to look at culling him to get a bit of cash. Yeah, I think so. I'm going to leave him in one more week, I think, just in, in terms of how my structure is looking, but I'm probably going to call him next week. His break-even is 70, um, which is higher than his average, so that's always you know bad signs. Yeah, and he's already up to that 311k, so he's made enough to get you a bit of money. And on that note, Scrimshaw is at a very similar price, and his break-even's creeping up a little bit towards 60, so he's another one where I wouldn't be too disappointed if someone was to move him out. Um, probably they're the boys who I would be look at trading and then keeping your Dersmas and your whore types uh, to keep a bit of cash generation coming and sort of have those boys as your on-field options if you have uh, the capabilities. Yeah, and there's a few options, I think, at the moment down back when you're looking to upgrade. You've got Rory Laird, who's obviously pretty tempting at 530000 um, We know that Malera's out for a few weeks now. It looked like it was going to be about six to eight, but I think the new estimate is three to four, so potentially coming back a bit sooner. But Rory Laird's taken that role back again where it looks like he's going to be scoring maybe in the high 110, 120s. Yeah, it came out and put out a 124 on the weekend, and it was sort of seemed like a different Roy Laird to what we got at the start of the year, where he was putting out, a, a, it has to be said, quite a consistent set of scores between the 84 and the 106 for the first, you know, five or six weeks, and then, you know, it comes out with that 124 when, as you said, some roles have changed in the team. It was able to score a bit more freely in a big win, which, you know, Adelaide hasn't had too many of yet. So it is interesting to think, you know, is this the cheapest that we're going to see Rory Laird down at 530k? Is that something where you think this is bargain basement and if people like Rory Laird, they should be jumping right now? Yeah, I think so. I think it's the cheapest we're probably going to see him um, for the rest of the year, unless obviously he goes down injured in some game or something like that. But I think it's probably the cheapest we'll see him. Um, he is still a bit on the pricey side though, 531 Um you know, I've, I've sort of looked at getting him in. I can't really afford to swing it this week, I don't think. So I might be looking at cheaper options in a few weeks. Is there anything there? Yeah, definitely. I think I'm in a similar boat where I'm looking at all these players and I'm thinking, well, unless I was floating 100K or 150K from last week, a lot of these upper-priced players, particularly down back, we just can't afford it yet. You can't swing a 300K Collins plus, you know, where are you going to get the money to get up to 500k like from one downgrade you're going to need to double downgrade or have money in the bank to get to some of these players so at this stage we're still looking at some of the cheaper options down back and i think there's some really good options there at that sort of lower bracket 
I know we saw Bashar Huli put out a really big score, a 142 last week, and he rose $40,000 up to four hundred and forty grand. And here's someone who's got, I think it's the third highest average down back or something at the moment with the 109 off the three games. So is he someone that you can see keeping this up long term? I don't think we're going to see him hold a 109. Um, you know, I'd be pretty confident saying that's not going to happen. But, you know, he is a consistent 90, 95-ish sort of player. So $441,000 is pretty tempting for Hawley. Um, I, I was looking into him this week and noting that he hasn't really played a full season since 2015. So that's a bit of a worry for me. Yeah, definitely. And he also had a lower score last year and is, you know, over the other side of 30s now. So normally when you see someone have a lower year, you don't expect them to bounce back. But, you know, I guess Travis Boak is showing this year that it is possible to jump back. And I think there are some words coming out of Richmond that um, Hooley was, you know, carrying a few nickels last year, which might have brought his scoring down a little bit. But particularly with Short out of this team and Richmond sort of not performing as well as they have last year and the year before, sort of means that there's a little bit more ball down back. Um, you know, he's getting 30 touches last week. He's getting a lot of the peel. It's, it's definitely a set of scores that I can see being around that top six mark. But I think we've got a couple more names here we'll talk through, and then I might get your opinions on sort of those last couple of positions in the top six that you expect to be at the end of the year. But a couple of other names I'll throw at you is Daniel Rich, um, who's sitting there with a 102 average at 480k. And also Jeremy Howes dropped down to 437k. And, you know, he's put out, a, you know, a reasonable set of scores, except for 147 is, you know, putting out a bunch of, you know, 80s, 90s, 100s there as well. So, do you have an opinion at the moment on a clear top six? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, you've got the two. Obviously, you've got Lloyd and you've got Whitfield at the top. Um, and then a lot of people, I think both of our teams running Brody Smith and Zach Williams. And to be honest, they both seem like they might get into that top six, potentially those five and six positions. Um, I think in, in second tier below the top two, you've then got, I would say, Shannon Hearn and Sicily seem like they're taking those three and four spots. So, yeah, yeah it's really those five and six options that you're looking at. And at this point in time, I don't really see much reason to upgrade from Smith or Williams. Yeah, it's very interesting, both putting out such high scores. I know uh, I think both turned up. Williams played a fantastic game, and especially if we'll get to uh, Whitfield in a little bit. But we, if we have some players missing and players like Williams take on a bigger role for a few weeks potentially you know the boost that they need to keep that average up there in the top six um i definitely agree with you that you got that clear top four at the moment which everyone should be looking to have in their team at season's end but apart from that those last two spots seem to be a bit up in the air and that's what's making me like a pick like hooley at the moment because he's such low in ownership he's in there you know less than two percent teams own him so looking at a player like that rather than a player like a Laird that everyone's going to have at the end of the season or you know a player like Williams, as you said, is at about 30% ownership in the league, is this the sort of time where you could jump on a Rich or jump on a Hooley or a Howe and get these players that are under that 5% ownership as you know a really point of difference for your side? Yeah, I think it's a good strategy. Um, obviously, potential to backfire, but if you're sort of behind in the rankings like me, you need to take some few risks. Um, so I'm sort of looking at Connor Blakely. He's going to be back in the side apparently this week or next. And um, yeah, $460,000, I think he's one I would have started if he was fit at the start of the year. So he's one that I'm going to be keeping a close eye on for the same sort of reasons. He's in, I think he can you know, potentially finish that five or six position. 
Yeah, that's a really interesting one to keep your eye on. And I guess the other one that people should be planning towards if they don't have him is Lockie Whitfield. As we said, posted at 45 last week, probably going to miss this week's game. But then he's going to have that 45 in his system for a few weeks to keep his score dropping. Already dropped that 40k last week down to 575. So you could even find him around the 500k mark in probably three weeks' time after he takes that week off. Um, If people don't have Whitfield... Do they have to sit there now and think in three weeks, that's when I'm bringing in Whitfield. I need to make sure I've got a rookie to trade him to. I need to make sure I've got the cash at that time. Is is he such a high-scoring player that that has to be a must in three weeks? Yeah, absolutely. I think if you don't have him, you know, you're absolutely laughing at this point in time. He, he looked like he was going to be $620,000 or so for the rest of the year, unobtainable, and now you're getting him for about five hundred. So yeah, if you don't have him, absolutely laughing that one to the bank and if you don't bring him in at 500k then what are you doing really (laughs) yeah very good point i've got an interesting one here for you that you can give me if he's someone that interests you down the line or if he's just someone that's completely dead to you that their start of the year has completely thrown you off that you'll never bring him in but Cade simpson he is someone that scored 35 on the weekend in that we found out injury affected game um he's in you know down to the 450k mark so he's dropped over 100k so far and he will keep dropping so you'll find him in the 300s probably after he comes back from this injury is he someone after the buys that you would maybe look at down trading one of your rookies too as a as you know a little bit of someone to keep on your bench later in the year or is, is he someone that's just completely dead to you his role just isn't what it used to be yeah, I think this is an interesting one um, in terms of having players that you might be looking to bring in on the bench because there's also a few in the forward line that, that fit that role potentially. But it, it depends on your structure. It depends how well stocked you are in the defense, how many trades you have to play with and all that, obviously. But if you have the luxury of bringing someone like Simpson who's you know a proven performer in at your sort of D7 position, um, you know if you've got that luxury, then I think absolutely pull the trigger on that. You're getting a player who realistically has been putting up you know five hundred fifty six hundred thousand dollar seasons for a long long time now and three hundred fifty thousand dollars whatever he might be then you've got to look at it yeah i I think definitely as you said it's interesting for those bench spots if if you can get someone that cheap that you can sort of stash away um interesting to find out when you can do it if you can bring him in for you know even some of the buy rounds to you know sideways trade a rookie um to get you a couple of extra weeks of coverage could be a very interesting point um but yeah, I think this backline just as a whole is so interesting in terms of the point of difference players that you can select. Um, we already named a couple, but if I had to pick one point of difference that I'd be looking at in the backline at the moment, it's probably Luke Ryan, who I was quite surprised to see as a you know top eight defender currently on scores. He's only in 2.7% of teams there. Is Ryan someone that you're going to hope to be in your final side, do you think? Yeah, it's hard to say. It's very hard to say now because I'm sort of carrying Harris Andrews there who I'm hoping can rebound and he's sort of lost enough cash that I'm probably not going to trade him out. I'll just you know, keep him and, and hope that he can improve. So um, someone like Ryan, I think maybe a bit more of a luxury for someone whose team is, is ticking on a little better than mine at the moment. Yeah, he's posted out scores of the 91, 78, 156, 93, 195. And it's very interesting to note the changes in Fremantle at the moment. I know Wilson's taking a lot more of the kickouts, which, you know, I originally thought would be, you know, bad for Ryan scoring, but we're seeing that just opening up a little higher up the field to get that extra extra possession from post kickout is being quite interesting. He's been just really racking up the 
disposals, getting intercepts, and you know his score build recently has been really favorable. I mean, his four-round average is over 100, and yeah, just an interesting player who you don't see in a lot of teams when probably he needs a, you know, a little more kudos from everyone. I think he, he deserves to be in a bit of a higher number than that. Definitely a good point of difference. Um, we'll move into the midfield now. And <clears throat> just got a question for you, Liam, here. It's a, a mystery player. and just want to run through some stats and you tell me how much you reckon they scored with these stats. So this is on the weekend. Uh, you might be able to guess it. So this player had 30 touches. Midfielder obviously had 30 touches uh, when it's 66% disposal efficiency. 14 of those touches were contested. They took five marks, had 11 clearances, three rebound 50s, five inside 50s, two tackles, two free kicks, four, and only two clangers. What sort of score do you reckon they got? All right, so we're talking 30 touches, half contested, uh, they did go at a low efficiency, which is probably bringing this score down. Uh, free fours, that's free points. Um, you know, if I'm seeing someone get 30 touches in my midfield, I'd be disappointed if it was below the 100. Um, although I'm guessing from that low efficiency and the fact that you're bringing him up, he, I might even be able to guess, is this a Brad Crouch 80 that you're talking about? Yeah, this is a Brad <laughs> Crouch 85. So looking at the... Uh, first, I was like, okay, he went 66%. I'm not too annoyed. Then I looked at the actual Adelaide team. He went at the same disposal efficiency as Brody Smith and Matt Crouch, who both turned up easily. Yeah, I, I just don't know what's so, happening with this guy. Yeah, what, what's going on? He had more contested possessions, same disposal efficiency. The rest of the stats are all pretty similar. He doesn't have a lot of clangers. I mean, what's going on? Why isn't he scoring? Mm, did you say two tackles? Did he mark the ball at all? Five marks. Two tackles, not brilliant, but I mean, it's not really very different from Matt Crouch or Brody Smith, who both turned up of very similar stats. They had two tackles and three tackles, respectively. Um, they took five marks and two marks, respectively. Same disposal efficiency, less free kicks for similar inside and rebound 50s. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. All right, I've got two options for you. The first one is that champion data hate him and he will forever be like put down by, you know, some yeah, early worker option. back in. That's it. <laughs> or he's just a complete butcher by foot and he's not getting any of those extra foot points. He's getting 100% efficiency by hand, butchering all of his four-point kicks and, yeah, just not scoring enough from, from those. And we, we also know that, you know, from speaking to Maddie, a good friend of the pod, about the different ways that, you know, champion starter stats work in terms of super coaches, you know, definitely we've got differences in tackles and their effectiveness and how that can contribute um, to super coach points. You know, if you can uh, affect a disposal, if you can hold the ball in, or if you're just contributing to a tackle, we'll score different points. So it's very interesting to hear a bit about how these, you know, champion data stats are break down. I think we're going to have to get Maddie on the pod at a, at a later date and ask him a few Brad Crouch questions and see if he can get to the bottom of this uh, this scoring. I think so. I think it's the first one. I think they just don't have him in their team, so they hate him. Um, I was watching the game. I watched this game and, um, you know, he he wasn't butchering it. Like he wasn't, you know, he obviously he went 66%, so it's not brilliant, but he didn't have any huge clanger turnovers. He took low risk kicks for the most part, so like short kicks, which might hurt him, but definitely it wasn't a game where I was watching him going, oh, he's butchered again, he's butchered it again. I was definitely expecting him to turn up after watching that and, yeah, 85 is just shocking. I know that, they don't award points for clearances apparently directly. Like the clearance stat is not worth anything. So 11 clearances, nine from a stoppage, which is more than double the next highest player on the ground. I, I kind of think they should 
award for center bounds clearances or stoppage clearances, um, like points for that directly instead of just contested possessions. Yeah, and I was also interested to look at just the raw stats on the count uh, um, on the fa- on the page, where they say that you know uncontested ball and contested ball, you get that same sort of amount of points for that loose ball get or hard ball get, which you know I always thought that it rewarded contested pill in this sort of a format, and you get more points for the contested ball. But yeah, apparently it's worth the same. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure. I agree with you. Surely clearances, especially in those center clearance situations, should be worth you know at least a bonus point. Come on, champion Dada. What are you doing? Yeah, not a fan. All right. Anyway, we'll move into the midfield. We'll we'll discuss the rookies. We'll discuss the uh, who to bring in. So who have we got? Yeah, we might as well start with while we're talking about Crouch. I think there's a few you know elephants in the room. A few people in who are in the midfields of people's teams who we're not really looking at trading out, but maybe we should be. And I think Crouch is a good one to start with because you said he scored 85. Well, his break-even's 86 this week, and he's sitting there at 466K. He could potentially lose you money like he lost 5K for you last week. Is he someone that you're looking to trade out? I mean, he's at the point where we could potentially trade him up to to some serious primos, and if he's going to be scoring 90s, you know, you could be getting an extra 30 points a game from that trade. Yeah, not for me. I think I'm going to be keeping Brad Crouch for as long as I possibly can. Um, one, I just don't really have the trades to move him on. And two, I've been looking at his scores from past years, and he does tend to pop up every now and then with a huge score, which we haven't seen from him so far. So I'm probably holding it out for him to put up one of his you know, trademark 130, 140 scores and, and then to see where he goes from there. In terms of him losing money, I, I don't think he's going to go in free fall. You know, he's not throwing up 40s or anything. He's just not seemingly getting those really large scores, sort of bouncing between 85 and 100, 105, which is not ideal, not what you know we wanted when we picked him, but it's not enough for me to, to want to move him on, I don't think. Yeah, I think he's a very interesting player if you play the draft formats like uh, we both do. Just maybe sound out whoever owns him to see what they think he's worth in a trade because owners might be a little bit, you know, disappointed at these 85s is popping out and might be wanting to sort of rage trade a little bit, might sell him for not too much. And you might be somebody who, as you said, his stats are good. If he can just improve that efficiency a bit, you know, get a couple more tackles or something here and there, you know, those 85s become 110s pretty quickly if you can just change a couple of little things. I definitely think that he's a he's a solid candidate for someone to, you know, seek out a trade for. And uh, I know he's in your team in our Supercoach League, so maybe we'll talk after the pod. I'll see what I can get. Yeah, I don't think so. He's not going to move, but you can try your best. Um, in the elephants in the room, I guess, sort of category, I, I think Libba. I've seen a few people sort of looking to jump off Libba. Don't have him myself, so I haven't really been paying close attention, but my understanding is his scoring sort of dried up a little bit. Yeah, Libba's pretty much the same as Brad Crouch. He's sitting there, 488K, so he's you know risen quite a bit, and he put out a 71 last week. I know a lot of those dogs midfielders like McRae and et cetera didn't score that well in last week's game, but you know, Libba's sitting there with a 115 break-even now. So he is someone, if he puts out a 70, you might see a, you know, at least a noticeable 10-plus K drop in that price. Um, he's an interesting one because of the fact that he missed so much time with injury. Is his drop now due to just, you know, form fluctuations where he scores 150 one week and, and 70 the next? Or is he tiring a bit maybe, which I've I've heard a few commentators sort of, Ask the question about whether he is somebody who's getting, you know, 
you know, six or so weeks into the year, might get a bit tired. Does that mean he's even rested at some point? I don't know. I think his scoring potential is still there, but definitely if you see a premium who you can, you know, leapfrog from a liver to this week or the next few weeks, I wouldn't be opposed to people doing it, to be honest, because I think the difference in these scores over the rest of the season could be quite high between your top echelon midfielders and your crouchers and libbers so definitely it's something that at least I'm looking at in my team and I'm sure a few people are looking at as well yeah um, I don't have libber so I haven't really been paying close attention but I am looking at his scores now he did start the season with a 75 so it might not be that he's tired it might might just be form fluctuations there I mean a couple of weeks ago people were saying that he was a you know a keeper premium because he's fresh off that 150 so it's an interesting one. Yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on. And I think another one to keep an eye on, I know nobody wants to think about it, but our golden boy, Sam Walsh, who's you know started you know lighting everything up, is all the way up to 443k. People are asking, is he a keeper? Do we get to hold him all year for a 105 average sort of thing? He put out a 79 on the weekend. And really the stat that comes out of all the football that's worrying me about Sam Walsh is that He's covered the most dif- distance in the whole competition. He's in the top five. Of, of every single player in the AFL, he's covered the top five in distance over the first six rounds. And I don't care if he's a freak athletically. I don't care if he can run all day. There is no way a first-year player can run that many kilometers compared to everyone else in the competition who have had all of these preseasons, etc., etc., and not tire at some point in the year. There will definitely be a point where he is either rested or that his form drops off because he's tired from never having this workload before. And yeah, I I would be completely astonished if we get to hold him all year. I'm so sure that he'll get to a price in a few weeks where even a small drop in form means that his price will drop and everyone will be looking at side trading him. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think so. I don't. It's not this week. Like his break even is sixty seven. He hasn't scored less than round one score sixty eight. So all season he hasn't got below sixty seven. Um, just looking at his projected rise, he's looking to be about four hundred eighty in three weeks. I think that's sort of the point when you're probably going to look to side trade him. I mean, you've got options. People like Clayton Oliver's currently at five fifty, five at five sixty. I mean, eighty k difference between five and. Walsh, you, you obviously got to jump onto Fife or someone like that at that point in time. I know Josh Kelly or McRae might be looking pretty cheap in a few weeks. So I think we'll start to see people trade him out pretty soon. And yeah, I mean, obviously he was never going to be a keeper. People like to say that he you know, he's putting up 123, blah, blah, blah. But you know, he was never really going to be a keeper, let's be honest. While you're talking about those big boys like Fife and Clary, we've got a, a few tasty options to bring in even as early as this week. I think Fife is probably the one if you're going to target someone where the, the time looks right for him. He's putting up you know huge numbers. He's got that 114 average, um, you know, taking out that knockout game, which is out of his scoring system now. He's you know in the in the top few in the competition, sitting there at 560k. Definitely is someone who you think his price will skyrocket from here. So if you can get to him now, it might be a good idea. Yeah, I think so. I looked at structuring my trades to bring in five this week and now I've had a bit of a change of plans, but definitely going to keep an eye on, on how much he goes up and whether I can afford to bring him in next week because he just has that scoring potential that you know few others in the competition really do. He's in the, you know, your sort of top level, Crips, McRae, Neil, etc. So 
I think at this price, you've, if, you, if you're not bringing him in, you've got to have a pretty good reason for it in terms of you're looking at different lines and, and all that because you're not going to see five below 560 or below 565 again um, for the rest of the year, that's for sure. There's a few other players in this boat as well. I mean, probably one that warrants a bit more conversation is Clayton Oliver that you mentioned before. He's sitting there at 550k, so even a little cheaper than Fife. Um, you know, he's, he's pumping out that low 100s to 105 sort of a scores um, as an average. Um, Melbourne haven't even done that well yet. Um, for somebody who's started the year at 620 and is already down at 550, is he someone who people should be looking to get on the cheap now, or is he someone where you just hold off because his scores really aren't at that elite level at the moment? It's tough. I mean, you've got five there, obviously, putting up those huge numbers, similar price, but if you don't have Clayton Oliver, you know, unfortunately, we both started with him, and I know that I had Neil in that spot in my team for a long time, so kicking myself on that one, but if I didn't have started Clayton Oliver, I'd be looking to get him in at this price for sure. I don't think there's any real chance that he doesn't improve his average, at least somewhat throughout the year whether he's going to be in that top level i'm not really sure but i think we can definitely uh we can lock him in for higher than what he's averaging at the moment and if people are not in a position to bring in midfielders this week but need some people to keep in mind for the next few weeks um i think it's not the worst looking at other lines um for upgrades at the moment because i can see a few people who it's probably better to hold off a few weeks that are you know about to still lose a bit more money that maybe you can trade in a few weeks, and um, just a couple of names here. Uh, McRae, who's had an 85 and a 97, so his price is in a bit of a freefall there with a 175 break-even. And Josh Kelly as well, who's now back and performing quite well on the field. He's um, down to 585k with a 128 break-even. Um, just a couple of boys to keep in mind there, I think, in terms of players who can still drop in price a bit and you can look at in the coming weeks. Yeah, I think you could also add Andrew Gaff into that list. Um, he's a real point of difference because obviously he had that suspension to start the year. No one really started him. So, yeah, a huge point of difference at that top end and he's down to 545, which is pretty cheap and he's probably going to keep dropping. So it's another one there. Maybe not on the same level as your McRae or Kelly's, but um, McRae is an interesting one. And McRae is very interesting. I mean, he's in my team, so I'm just sort of bleeding the cash at the moment, but if you don't have him, you should definitely look to get him in. The only thing I would say is, unlike someone where Cali, I think you can sort of lock in the fact that he's probably going to drop on 128 break-even. He probably won't get it. Um, McRae, you know, he's 175 break-even, but he does have a chance of hitting that. You know, I mean, it's it's McRae here. So he's not going to hit the 175, you wouldn't think. But next week, if it's about 150, I think then maybe even then you have to start looking at bringing him in soon because he could hit that any week. Yeah, definitely. I think that's such a good point. Uh, with McRae, you're going to have to watch his scores. A lot of these other players, you can probably be like, yeah, three weeks is when I bring him in. But McRae is probably one where you have to be like, I'm going to watch him every week and check that break even. Um, definitely someone who I'll be looking at riding sort of that Walsh Constable mix potentially, trying to go one up, one down from that uh, if I can, or getting cash elsewhere and upgrading one of those guys to a McRae in about two weeks if his price rise um, sort of ends up perfect around there I, I think it'd be a great option for people um yeah uh downgrade upgrade season in the midfield is looking quite nice because we do have a lot of these options who who seem like they can really 
hit the right points for us to get trades whenever you need them because I feel like there's, as you said, five this week. We're looking at maybe Kelly next week and McCray the week later all bottoming out at their price. And um, also there are a few uh, good rookies for us in the midfield at the moment. Um, are there any that you would be keeping on field for scoring at the moment and any that you're looking to cull very soon? Yeah, in terms of on the field, I mean, obviously you just run Walsh, Constable, set and forget. Um, if you have a third rookie spot in there at the moment, so I do, I'm running three midfield rookies, unfortunately, at the moment. And um, yeah, I'm lucky enough. I've got Sydney stacked there, so I'm pretty comfortable putting on the field and, and leaving him there with this 75 average. I think he's shown he can score 75, 80, even up to 100. So pretty happy with him there. Obviously, if you've got Ross or uh, if you had Bailey Smith like I did and didn't rage trade him out, then he's also a good option these days. But failing that, yeah, I'm not really sure. I mean, I had LDU who I was happy with on the field to start with, but not anymore. Definitely not anymore. Yeah, do you want to take a bit of time? You you were big on the stack, stack train. You got on, on stack early and we're riding him hard. Do you want to comment about that uh, hip and shoulder that he delivered to Jack Viney? Pretty much uh, pretty much burying him. I'm pretty sure he was out for two weeks with embarrassment, not really with a shoulder injury. He just uh, really sat him down there. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely beautiful. Um, in the same game, he had that that torpedo. He just launched it out of the back line, and then he also took a you know mark of the week contender. So he's doing it all at the moment. Um, if anything, his super coach scores aren't really reflecting you know how well he's playing because you don't get unfortunately you don't get extra points for pulling out the torp or, or getting that big hanger. Yeah, he's quickly becoming a crowd favourite, and I think the the perfect note from him is that you got to watch a few of the Richmond games uh, when he took his first two games, and you said, you know, he passes the eye test, I'm bringing him in, and I was only sort of watching him sort of last week and a bit the week before when it was, you know, it was too late for the Sydney stack train, he's already gone up in price, so definitely if you're watching a game and you're seeing a rookie play well, and he pumps out a score that's okay, you can probably bank that his future scores might be a bit better than that even because, you know, passing the eye test is probably better than getting that super coach score in your first game or second game, I think. Yeah, I think so. So he started with the 108, so that's obviously, you know, that's huge and that's great signs. And, yeah, he put up 40 in the next game, but I was watching that one and I thought he probably deserved about a 60. I thought he played pretty well. And just over the first two games, I thought, you know, this kid can play, so... Yeah, I think if you're watching the games, it really can help. Um, you know, obviously not just looking at it from a stats point of view. The stats sort of are what it's important for Supercoach, but the stats will tend to catch up with with how they're actually playing in reality um, over time. So, yeah, it can it can really pay off to uh, yeah watch a few games here and there if you you know not even really interested in the teams, but looking at those rookies can really help. All right, we'll put too much praise out there. Let's be a little more brutal. It's time for uh, a few cuts. So LDU, you, I like the cut of your jib, but your cut, 305K, it's time to go. Don't even Cousins. like the cut of his jib. Don't <laughs> even like the cut of his jib. <laughs> You're watching him. He's got that shocking haircut. He's got the uh, he's got the fluoro boots, and then he's just running around the side of packs, not doing anything, and looking like he's running underwater. LDU, get the fuck out of my dick. <laughs> Uh, Cousins from Hawthorne get out as well Um, 72 break even for him 300k time to get rid of and uh, yeah other than that Butters and Atkins they're sort of your mid 200s they can stay if you want them to stay if you want to cut them you know I don't care you can cut them as well yeah I think at this point it's about who you're looking to bring in so if you like Will Hayes um, 
I'm not too sold on him myself, but I think I am bringing him in just because I need an option. Um, you can go early on Antwerth, I guess, um, which I was contemplating doing, but I think I'm going to go with Will Hayes and then maybe look to bring in Answorth next week. Yeah, so Answorth is one that came out with that his defender mid, which is quite interesting this year, actually, because we both brought in Lockhart for some reason, and he's a defender mid down back, and also um, having uh, Dersma as the defender mid as well, so opens up a bit of a swing if you can get these in both the mid and the defense, so he's someone who's interesting to me, at least, in that midfield position. Put up a good score on the weekend. You said he passed the eye test pretty well. You watched the Brisbane game closely. He looked good on the field as well. Yeah, I think he did. I think he looked pretty good. Um, he took a few nice intercept marks. He's got a bit of pace about him. Um, I could see him getting games, uh, continue to get games, although it is a little bit worrying to hear that Zach Bailey is back into training. I know that they also rate Zach Bailey quite highly for his, his run and dash off of the halfback there. So we might see Answorth out in the next couple of weeks for Bailey. It's, it's really hard to say. Um, I think he played well enough. He's definitely going to keep his spot this week, I would say. Um I'm pretty confident. So maybe if you're looking for a mid uh, a downgrade in the midfield, uh, Will Hayes is probably the option with that 62 average. Someone who's probably got good enough job security and has had the two games and the two OK scores where he's the man for now and there's not really many other options around except for Ainsworth. And, you know, we've got another week to look at him. Yeah, that's it. I think I'm going to take the extra week to look at Ainsworth and and bring in Hayes. I haven't, unfortunately, been able to watch the Dog East games, so I haven't really seen the eye test for Hayes, but score-wise, he looks all right. I'm not not really sold on his job security from having spoken to a few Dog East supporters, but, yeah, it's a little bit slim pickings at the moment, so Will Hayes probably going to be brought in, I think. Yeah, I think Hayes is he's playing fine, and the Dogs are playing average, and he's doing okay, but he's not setting the world on fire, and it's a matter of who can come in. I think from memory, Bailey Dale is you know about right to come back into this side, and a couple of other players who could be in that similar role that he's in now. So I'd really watch team selections very closely this week. I could easily see him you know lining up and then being a you know a pretty automatic selection if you're making a mid downgrade. But I could also see him being you know dropped or you know a couple of these players like like your Dales etc being named you know in the team or in emergency lists so definitely just keep an eye on teams for this week's downgrades so we might move on to the uh to the rucks there's not really a heap to discuss here though is there well just that i don't have gone yet i'm sitting there with grundy he's sitting up there for anyone who doesn't have him at the 685k which is you know reasonably unattainable at this point unless you're gonna you know, make big swings. If you're someone who's lucky enough to start with a McAvoy, you might have enough cash to, to swing up there. But, you know, he's got a 165 break even, so might drop a little bit, but looks like he'll be up in the 600s, mid 600s, you know, for the rest of the year probably with his huge scoring recently. And then you've got Gorn, who's the one that I don't have sitting there at 645, but he's all the way back down to a 104 break even now. So he's probably going to, you know, go up from here. So what do you do to get these guys? Is it just a, you know, let it be and whoever's your ruck to you just let that go for a while or am i downgrading upgrading to get these guys in as soon as possible yeah it's a bit of a worry for for non-gorn owners like us um it's it's tough to say i mean if you got the swing you got the cash then i would say maybe just bring him in even this week just bring in 
Gorn bite the bullet. Um, you could try and ride him out to the buys maybe because obviously we all know that Gorn and Grundy have that same buy. So the plan would be ideally maybe ride Goldstein until the buys, but you are losing a lot of points per week. So it's tough. You've got to find something to do. Yeah, I think that's the two things I'm sort of tossing up. Do I want to keep your, my second rucks Goldie, so whoever it is, keep them through the buys and then try and make that switch afterwards? Or I'm sitting there at the moment with not a lot of cash gen, so I'm doing a downgrade upgrade this week. I'm looking for either someone in the mid-400s um, as the best thing that I can bring in, which is you know not your top echelon talent, or I've got this small amount of cash, which is probably enough to do my swing of you know the Goldie up. Do I just take this time before I've got everyone at the high enough price bracket to downgrade upgrade to serious premiums and sort of fix this aspect of my team which I'll probably have to do sometime anyway so it's a bit of a give and take I'm not really sure where I land on it yet but I'm getting a bit worried about these big scores that these two big boys are putting out at the moment yeah it's tough it's really tough um, I was looking this week at bringing Gorn in myself but I think I've come up a little bit of a different solution so we'll talk about that after we run through some of the forwards yeah so we'll move through to the forward lines now and uh talk a bit about rookies i know drew's everyone's boy he's the one you should be starting on team on field um apart from that uh Gieran myers geez did we all miss him i don't know what his ownership is but i really missed the boat on that one he's looking like an on-field option and baker i missed as well he came out and put up another huge score and yeah, it just looks like a, there's a few on-field options there, just not in my team, and I'm not sure how many are in yours. Yeah, I'm sort of in the same boat. No bacon, no mears. Um, I was looking at Myers, his ownership before, actually, it's 6%, so it's quite low. He's like almost a rookie point of difference. And um, yeah, he's doing really well. He's at 300k. He's just put out his highest score of the year with a 90. Um, apart from his first week, he hasn't gone below 65, and he's projected to be about $360,000 in a couple of weeks. So if you're on him at 6% ownership, then yeah, well done because that's a great pick and he's just really been very consistent. Yeah, and he's also kicking sweet rolls. Did you see his goal on the weekend? He like sold a bunch of candy and then, you know, kicked one across his body through the through the big sticks. He's, he's playing well, he's scoring well, he's got dreadlocks, you know, what isn't there to like there? Yeah, he's, he's a really good player. Um I've seen a few of the John games recently and yeah, he's it's been interesting. I heard the commentators talk about it. They were saying that a lot of the players we see play small forward, small, you know, medium forward at, at AFL level were just midfielders in the under eighteens, but he's one who's actually just been a forward his whole junior career and it shows, you know, he's got that forward craft, he knows where the goals are, he likes to sell a bit of candy, and yeah, he's got, you know, good leading patterns, he gets involved and it's showing up in his scores. So once again, sort of one of those players who passes the eye test and we're starting to see it translating to scores. This is just another example of the, you know, he was one of those guys, I'm pretty sure his story was he kicked six goals in the grand final of, you know, TAC Cup or, or whichever underage competition he was in at the time. And everyone was like, nah, he's too small. I don't want to draft him. It's the, it's the Caleb Daniel thing. He's good at football. Just draft him. He's so good. Yeah, I always go on about this one because Dane Zorko for the Lions, you know, he's now captaining the club, four-time best and fairest. Like, you know, he's selling candy, he's winning clearances, he's he's kicking torques from like 60 metres out. It's like, why was he not picked? <laughs> like, yeah. it just doesn't make much sense. It's 
Speaking of people who weren't picked, Matty Parker's in a lot of teams. Um, he's going back down to a 17 break even there, so he's still got more money to make. Um, as does Petricelli, he's still got a negative three after his, you know, big five or six goal hole. So these boys, you've got to keep at the moment because of their cash you know generation capabilities or are these players who you don't mind downgrading or moving because their scoring's you know not fantastic yeah i think it just depends about who you're looking to bring in so in terms of this week i'm not really seeing too many forward options there that i'm liking the look of so i'll definitely keep both of them um, low break evens as you said petricelli is going to be riding that 100 for another couple of weeks so looking at next week you got Corbett from the Suns who I was initially thinking maybe you'd want to jump on just for the job security but then Larky's popped up put up an extra 20 points you know and he looked quite good I watched him play um, for North Melbourne and he looked really good he was leading up to the wings taking some good grabs generally clean with his kicking kicked three goals and yeah he put up 75 and I think his job security is going to be quite good so he's one that I might look at next week Um, I've got trade plans already but Honestly, if Lucky scores well again, then I might have to scuttle those plans just to bring him in because I think we're going to see really good job security from him. North season's pretty much over. Yeah, it's very interesting points there. I thought, as you said, watching Corbett come in this week, I was like, all right, he's pretty much a lock and load for you know a couple of weeks. Uh, someone that you could bring in who will have good job security, good scoring, but... Yeah, he kicked, what, two or three goals for a 55? You know, you can't expect that from Gold Coast forwards every week. Probably would prefer the ball coming in from North Melbourne um, to a young forward like Larky, who who showed a lot of aggression for a bit of a bigger score, as you said. Um, very similar player, um, Mitchell Lewis from Hawthorne's on the bubble this week with a 59 average. Um, he was the player that everyone laughed at because they got rid of Jordan Lewis and Sam Mitchell and drafted this kid with their last pick called uh, Mitchell Lewis, which is, you know, quite funny. But he's come out and he's, he's proven that he can sort of hang around that forward line for, for a bit of time if they need him. Um, I'm not so sure on his job security or his scoring potential, so... Probably a no from me. I'd, I'd wait for these two players next week for seeing how they score again this week and then picking the one that looks like they've got the better job security scoring potential going forward. Yeah, and to be honest, like rookies are not really what's interesting me in the forward line at the moment. Um, there's a lot of players leaking a lot of cash here, so I think we're going to get some pretty good deals. It's just a matter of picking the right ones. So I'll run you through some here, Liam. Um, we've got Devin Smith. Uh, started the year at you know five hundred and something thousand dollars. We're potentially going to see him at three hundred and seventy thousand in a few weeks. Um, we've got Sam Menegola who's going to drop below four hundred thousand. You got Robbie Gray who's projected to be down at about three hundred eighty in a couple of weeks. Uh, you got Westhoff with that Ruck Ford link, which is really important. Um, he's down one hundred and sixty-six k. He's only three hundred eighty and probably going to leak a bit of cash as well. And then the largest one of all, you've got Jack Darling, who I, I genuinely considered to be on my side, and he's going to be 270 projected in a couple of weeks. That is, you know, that's a straight trade or a downgrade from Matty Parker at that point in time. Yeah, I mean, a lot of names there. I'll start with Jack Darling. He scored nine, and then he scored 22. And that nine wasn't injury affected. He just didn't get near the ball. So we know he's got scoring potential in the past, but until he puts me up a score that I can see being a genuine back-in-form player, I'm not going to look at him until then. And if that time comes and he's sitting there sub-300K, 
you better believe I'm probably downgrading a rookie to him. That's that's just an insane bargain coming forward and definitely someone that I'm going to keep my eye on. And for the rest of the names you said here, a lot of those players and how heavily I look at them will come into buy structures. And if these are players like Dev Smith and Robbie Gray, who are probably going to miss a bit of time with injury, then come back, you know, four weeks' time, have a few weeks of their price dropping, and then it'll be around buy time that they're bottoming out. Depending on where they are in buy terms and when their teams are out, might be someone where they can have their buy, and then I get in a bit of trouble, and I can sideways a rookie, downgrade a rookie, and get a premium potentially future player who can score for me for the rest of the buyers. So that's sort of where that stands for me. Menegola, someone, as we mentioned on the podcast last week, fantastic scoring potential per dollar price when he bottoms out, but having that same buy as Heaney, as Dangerfield, as Tim Kelly, Jack Billings, you know, all of these players, you can't have too many of those. So he's going to be a post-buy player for me. Um, but we should probably take a bit of time to talk about Justin Westhoff for those people who do have the Bynes swing, who didn't get on Rob or did get on Rob by moving Bynes into the forward line. Is he becoming an option when he gets down towards, you know, 350k because of his capacity to be rut cover and be buy cover? Yeah, I, so I have Bynes. So I've, I've been looking at him. I've been considering it. Um, it's important. It's important to have that swing. I think, especially during the buys. Um, I'm pretty certain he doesn't have the same buy as, as Grundy and Gorn, so it can be quite helpful there. Depends how cheap he gets. Depends how my structure is looking. But I do think it's something I'm going to look at because, as you said, it's only really available to people who took binds over suite um, in that position. So. Yeah, I, it could be a little bit of a point of difference there, or it could be very handy, particularly if we start to see Westhoff have a bit of a role change. He did put up 92 on the weekend, so he may have close to bottomed out. I think his break-even's at about 65. So if he doesn't meet that, then maybe I don't really want him. But if he does, then, yeah, it might be, start, might be time to start looking and bringing him in. Yeah, um, I mean, he scored, what, like 30 and then 40 and then 92 on the weekend. I think people need to do a bit of a deeper dig about these positions that he's playing in and where he'll be playing going forward. Seems like he gets stuck in sort of key position spots at the moment where he's not getting a lot of the ball, whereas maybe if they get some more key positions, if Todd Marshall can lock down the spot that he was recently back in the team for, or if Charlie Dixon can come back into this team, you might see Westhoff's role change. If you get an injury to a rider or a lie set, pushes him back into the rut calculations. You know, these are the sort of things you need to be looking at with these players, seeing if there's any reason for any long-term form change because if everything stays the same, I'm certainly not buying Westhoff because I don't want 30s and 20s, you know, scattered through these scores that I'll get from him. Um, so it's it's just really about making sure you know what sort of a, a player you'll be bringing in for the rest of the year, what their role will be long-term. Yeah, so the other option for people who don't have binds, I guess you can be looking at bringing West off as like your, your F7 if you're sort of in that, that position where maybe you've got that luxury to start stocking primos on the bench. West off's probably an ideal one because you could loop in his huge scores because, I mean, looking at his scores, you know, he, he put up 149 and then backed it up with a 47. So definitely the sort of player you might be looking at for a loophole option. Yeah, I think that's a really fantastic point. But when you're looking at these fallen players to eventually be on the bench, 
you want players who can pop. And I think, as you mentioned, Westhoff can do it, but I like Darling for that a lot. He's someone who can, you know, leading into finals if West Coast get a run on and he can kick bags of five, will be the ultimate loophole player there. So it's definitely something to keep in mind. But alongside all of these, you know, sort of trash players who you might see turning it around, we've got a lot of, you know, potential premium players bottoming out as well. I mean, Dunkley is one that's in a lot of our teams who's down at the 450k mark, even cheaper, Toby McLean from the same team there. Um, If you're non-owners, you know, Dunkley just went back-to-back mid-90s. Is he someone that people should be targeting or is it really just the big dogs who are scoring at the moment who are sort of the trade-in targets down forward? Yeah, Dunkley and McLean, interesting. It's really hard to tell what's going on with the doggies, you know, with Bevo, just seemingly deciding starting positions by throwing the magnets against the against the whiteboard and seeing what sticks that's where you're playing because yeah it's it's really hard to trust their roles but <clears throat> like we were saying with Westhoff you know one role change and suddenly Dunkley's putting out 120s McLean's putting out 110s so it's a risk if you've got some inside intel there on, on what the doggies are going to do then that would be something to go for but otherwise it's it's definitely a risk you know, um, we both started with Dunkley hoping he would play midfield and he hasn't really done that yet. So it's hard to say. It's really hard yeah. to say with Bevo. I, I, is Bevo in a bit of trouble? I know he won them a flag, but when they're losing these games to Carlton and et cetera, when he's playing all these players in whack positions and moving people around really oddly, does it start to look bad for him where people are going to be like, you know, why are you playing this jet midfielder up forward? Why are you, you know, keeping this player back here? You're losing games to, you know, some bottom of the table teams. Yeah, it's really interesting um, what's going on there. And I don't think we're going to see Bevo sacked mid-season or anything like that. But, you know, obviously the, the, the heat is going to be start to be applied there if they don't really get the results they're looking for. And did read recently about how much of their salary cap is tied up in Tom Boyd and Josh Shackey, and that's quite interesting. There's a lot of money tied up there, and obviously both Shackey's done all right at AFL level this this year, but both I think currently playing BFL. Um, it's it's a tough situation down at the doggies. You know, one very interesting club at the moment. So we'll move from a bit of sad news to a bit of a good news. Someone who had a milestone game on the weekend who I think is is worth a bit of talking about as a point of difference player. Sitting in just 1.4% of teams and is uh, top 11 forward at the moment is David Mundy, who's got a 95 average down there in the forward line. He's got a three-round average of 118, just pumping out huge scores. Is is he a point of difference you might look at? Yeah, he sort of was one I wrote off with my no old boys rule. But, I mean, you know, we know how that went for Boak, so there's no reason Mundy can't be the same, and he's putting up the scores. I do like the top 11 forward. It's a good way of saying he's the 11th forward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's up there. Uh, all the other boys that we talked about point of difference, I was like, he's the 6th forward, he's like the 8th forward. And yeah, I just had it written down that he was 11, so it <laughs> doesn't sound as nice as the others. Um, but, yeah, I think he's putting up some great numbers at the moment. He's playing that, you know, extra midfield like role that we know the team needs that they're performing well when he's in the midfield which is always good because we expect him to stay in there um maybe someone who you might see a bit more fluctuations with scores with good weeks and bad weeks but definitely someone who i expect to be around the mark of near enough to the top six to ten um come end of the year yeah it's an interesting one i mean if you've got the uh you know you've got the stones to jump on someone like that it could pay off big time I think it's probably worth noting um, we both own him and I'm sure most people do so it's maybe 
you know, it flies under the radar a bit, but Dangerfield has, has dropped down to 584. So if you're one of the people who doesn't have him, then it may be this week or next week's the time to get him in. But speaking about that, I am seeing that uh, we're getting close to about the hour here. So why don't we just move along to what our trades are for this week? Do you have any planned? Yeah, it's, a, it's early in the week we're doing this pod. Now, I've got a few options open. I think I'm trying to find a nice downgrade upgrade that I can do, but pretty much with my structures at the moment, it's sort of being dictated a bit by the fact that Whitfield's going to be out for just the one week with that Corky. So just with the one week, I'm going to hold him, move him to the bench, which means that I'm actually fielding that extra um, defender rookie down back. And I was originally going to try and swing my defenders and forward rookies to take a Parker and Petrocelli off the field, bringing more into my forward line so that I can get that Dersmer off the bench onto the field. So that would need me to bring in a defensive rookie like your Youngs or your Ainsworths. But I don't really see whether I really want to do that um, this week because I need to be fielding that rookie that I'll be bringing in because of that uh, zero that I'd be taking there um, from Whitfield. So instead, I'm going to look at you know a down-up, potentially bringing Hayes in the midfield, I think is the rookie that I'm most safe with. So downgrading, say, a, you know, a Butters or someone down to a, to a Hayes and using that cash to either jump Scrimshaw up to a defender where you know my options are pretty limited probably Hooley is the one that I'm looking at down back or I'd use that cash to go Libba to Fife while he's still cheap or still looking at Goldie to go on so I've got my options a bit open I'd say if I was pulling the trigger now I'd probably be going Libba to Fife and Butters down to Hayes yeah all right that's an interesting one um tough situation with that swing there I've yeah, all right, I've got big plans. <laughs> um, so I'm looking at my team and it's shit. And so I need to do something big, I think. And um, so my first one is LDU out for Hayes. That's, that works for me. I think LDU's pretty much peaked. I killed him when I brought him in. So he goes for Hayes, I think. Oh, you're trading then, in Hayes. Maybe yeah. I don't trade in Hayes then because he's yeah. just dead. Get on Answorth, I think. <laughs> no, nah, the, rookies, the rookies are going all right. I've got stacking. I've got ROB in, so... Uh, I think it's mostly the primos, which is why I've decided to kill Boak, I think. Ooh. Um, yeah, I'm kind of annoyed at everyone getting those points from Boak, so I'm going to kill him. Um, but yeah, interestingly, I think the way I'm going to bring him in, I was looking at solving my Gorn issues by bringing in Gorn, but now I think I'm going to bring in Boak from Goldie, so Goldie to Boak via Binds shifting back, and I'm going to play ROB on the field, uh, essentially replacing Parker. So this is a risky move, I think. You know, it obviously is going to make it tough for me to get Gorn in down the line. I'm going to be needing to, to ride ROB to Gorn at some stage, and that's going to be quite difficult. But in theory, this puts me a lot better off in terms of my weekly scores. I shift Parker looking at 61 average for ROB at 86, and it moves Goldie at 98 average to Boak 122, which is pretty similar average to Gorn. So if Boak can hold that average, then I think this is a good trade. Um, I think it can improve my team quite a lot. And as a bonus, it floats me about 150K so that next week I can look at bringing in, say, Fife or Lloyd, um, someone like that. So, yeah, I can kill two primos in two weeks, which is pretty good. <laughs> All right, let me, let me get this down. So when you brought in ROB, you were someone who had Bynes on the bench. And to get ROB in, you had to swing Bynes to your forward line so that you could downgrade a rookie Correct. down to Rob. So what you want to do is you want to take Bynes back into the ruck uh, bench spot, 
move Rob from the ruck bench spot onto field and move Goldie onto the field in the forward line in the form of Boke. Yep, that's what happens. So <laughs> playing ROB um, at R2 now because he was just sort of wasted there at R3. You know, he's making cash obviously, but that 86 average was just annoying me because Parker's on the field scoring me 60s. So <clears throat> this is a way that I can get that primo in. Um, just essentially looking at Boke in place of Gorn there. They're scoring pretty similar. So get that Gornish to Boke primo that I was looking at bringing in, but also shift that. 25-point difference between ROB and Parker, and we've seen ROB looks pretty consistent, so I'm pretty happy with that to get him onto the field. Um, potentially, it creates issues down the line. As I said, I'm going to need to find a way to go ROB to Gorn, and that's probably going to be about a 200k jump, but I think my team's far enough back that I need something drastic. This looks like it can improve my team quite a lot, and as I mentioned, also brings in quite a lot of cash that I can float next week, go an easy one-up, one-down to someone like Lloyd or Fife. Yeah, wow, this is a ballsy move. I mean, I can totally see on paper how it's, you know, about a 50-point increase on, on the players that you get to field. I mean, you know, Boke over Goldie is a win and Rob over Park is a win. But, man, I, I wish I had the balls to do a move like that. But this seems like it's a it's a real crazy one. And, uh, you know, I've, I've heard worse things, but uh, definitely a, a really out there trade, straight out of the box. Yeah, so when you get desperate, you know, you start to think outside the box and uh, I think the saying is when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. So I'm turning pro now and uh, yeah, hopefully rising up the rankings because I'm far enough back that I just don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> All right, do you have any final comments on maybe some captains you're going to go for this week or any players you're looking to, to field for any particular reasons or is that it for this week? Yeah, so there's a few, I guess. Um, just a warning, obviously, everyone there. I'm bringing in Boke, so probably don't chuck the old vice captain on Boke because it's, uh, it's going to go <laughs> poorly. <clears throat> yeah, um, so I, I am tempted to, to put the vice captain on Boke, but I think I'll put it, or should say, leave it on Grundy. He's been doing quite well. Uh, put up 134. He's up against Lysette Ryder, which is a tough matchup, but I don't really see too many other options for my team, so. I think I'll leave it on Grundy. Um, I'll probably leave the captaincy on Crips. Um, just seems to make sense. And then just in, in terms of the back line, um, it doesn't seem like there's much point in doing it, but with the Whitfield zero, I'm going to put Dersmer onto the bench and then loop him back on um, for Lockhart. So it's pretty certain that I will loop him on for Lockhart, but just in case Dersmer, you know, scores 20 or goes down injured or something, I think it's worth doing if you have that Whitfield zero. Um, because, yeah, there's the potential. Dersman plays first. If he puts up, you know, a 10 because he got injured, then you do want to have that ability to have Lockhart on the field. So, um, but yeah, if you've got Dersman down back, maybe look at looping him on because he's the Friday night game. Yeah, I think that's a great call there with the loophole. And just for everyone doing the loophole, I know I got caught out a little bit. Last week, you got to make sure that your players' games, who you're looping, you know, that they play if they play the next game that you're making that switch before they start so the first game on the Saturday is going to be Whitfield's game so if you want to take Dersner's score you're going to have to make you know the appropriate swaps or not before Whitfield plays um, but yeah I think that's a very good call um, I think most people will be using that sweet or the uh, um, West Coast Ruckman as their loophole and they both play Saturday night so if you're looking at someone a bit earlier um, I'll probably go Grundy as well if anyone's got Kelly against the Saints, I quite like that. Um, 
for some reason I like Oliver against the Hawks. Uh, two, I think he's due at some point, maybe a risky vice-captain vice option if anyone wants it risky. And um, yeah, as you said, Cripper against North Melbourne, I think that's uh, a really good look as the as the captain there. Yeah, and then I guess just the other one um, is Butters in the midfield. If you're still running Butters, then another loophole option there. So yeah, got the emergency on Butters, maybe loop him on for a stack or, or even Constable if he goes large. All right, uh, ticked over the hour mark. Uh, really good pod. I'm interested to see how your uh, gutsy moves pay off next week, Bill. Uh, as we did last week, we got on there on the Twitter. If anyone wants to get engaged on Twitter, we're at Science of Footy. Uh, we put all the stats of why Grundy was a great vice captain last week, and he pulled out a big, you know, 135 or so, which we both took as vice captain. Um, we also put some stats out there for uh, trade-in targets and stuff, so we might do that again this week. So if anyone wants to get involved on the Twitter, uh, yeah, at Science of Footy, and have a look at some of the uh, statistics we've got to put out there. Perfect. See you guys next week.